cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Growing up in Calgary, Alberta, Canada, we held two movies above all else, Rad and Nightbreed. These were the pictures that not only showcased our city, but because of their subject matter, made Calgary actually look cool for once. Rad bought world-class BMX to the city, leading to future groups like the Calgary Riders and events like Rad 25 to help keep the flame alive. It's a film so impactful that despite the fact that you were not able to acquire a proper copy outside of a VHS for roughly the last three decades, the fanbase somehow has steadily grown, and the rabid urge for a new restoration has flooded the interwebs for years. Now, in 2020, Vinegar Syndrome will be releasing a 4K UHD Blu-ray on its halfway to Black Friday sale, and it's sure to be the hottest Blu-ray of the year. On the heels of that, and the hardcover release of his autobiography, My Rad Career, and because he is a personal icon in my eyes, tonight, we sit down with legendary actor Bill Allen, who portrayed Crew Jones in that film. Bill, how are things? Well, I'm in California, so we're still under lockdown conditions here pretty well, but the sun is shining, people are out doing their uh, walking and running and, and trying to be as normal as possible. So uh, the, the current situation is, is somewhat bleak, but the outlook is pretty good. Do you like how California's handling it? Uh, well, so far they've done a pretty good job. I mean, nobody likes living under these conditions, but certainly our forefathers, our, our parents, grandparents, and those before them suffered through a lot worse. So from where I'm sitting, I, I, I'm doing okay. I know there's a lot of people out there suffering, and, and my, my heart and prayers go out to them. I'm, I'm glad to hear you're doing good. Thank well, you. Yeah, we're, we're surviving. Well, as someone who was relatively unknown in the acting world at the time, did the role of Crew Jones and Rad come through an audition, or were you sought after by Hal Needham? Uh, both, actually. I was on a TV show that was very popular at the time called Hill Street Blues, uh, which was actually a very good crime drama, and I had a nice role on that, and Hal saw that performance a couple of times, I guess, right at the time he was casting Rad, and he brought me in on the strength of that. And I did have to audition and sat on a mongoose bike and spouted some lines, and that was it for the audition process. A month later or so, I was in Calgary shooting. So what was it like working with Hal? Did his background as a stuntman have any impact on the way he directed the film? It certainly did. Um, he was used to working on stunt-heavy movies. Obviously, that's where he uh, made his fame. But this movie was different for him in that this was the only case, I would imagine, where the stunt performers knew more about what to do and how to do it than he did because they were bicyclists and he was not. So he had to depend on those guys heavily to let him know what they could and couldn't do, how to stage the... Uh, the tricks and uh, the, the construction of Hell Track, et cetera. As far as Hal himself, he was really a larger-than-life character. He walked around in that big, you know, 10-gallon straw hat. 
and uh, wore cowboy boots with creases in his blue jeans, which I've never seen before or since, and had the best show business stories, could stay up all night drinking, and would be on set before anybody else. He was just, he was made of tougher stuff than most people I've ever run across. So uh, I was... uh, I was awestruck and yet at the same time made to feel very comfortable and like I was very much a part of the creative team. So I got to spend some time with Hal nine years ago, right around the 25th anniversary, we did an event in Calgary. And I will cherish those moments forever because I really got to talk to him on a a much deeper level and, and got to see him at the end of his ride kind of like the shootist or something or you know that just some some great mythical character who's now just winding down and uh, it was it was a it was an honor for me well i was actually born and raised in calgary and i can tell you that this film has had such a heavy influence on me all my friends what was it like coming back for the rad 25 anniversary it was a beautiful event <clears throat> like i said how was there myself uh, a lot of the writers from the movie, and people came in from all over the world. Uh, literally, it was a three-day film festival, I want to say, and all they showed was rad. I've never heard of a film festival uh, <laughs> that only showed one film, but the, the fans were just great. And uh, I think that was the first time that I really started to understand the, not only the impact, but the staying power that rad has were you surprised at well i guess you were surprised at the impact that it had on calgary what what was were you expecting the audience to be that were you expecting to be older younger what were your expectations going into the 25th uh i I can't remember what my expectations were but whatever they were they were wildly exceeded just by 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 meeting the fans I met a family that drove up from South America, drove from South America. I mean, it was just, it was a real coming together of people who most loved that movie. And a bunch of us did a a riding tour on bikes of different locations. So that in itself was worth the trip. I mean, there were so many special moments, uh, Martin and Ed doing a bicycle boogie sequence on the dance on the uh, theater floor there in front of the screen. So <clears throat> there were just so many very special moments, and uh, I, I think there's going to be more. There seems to be more interest in ever in this movie, and so I believe there's going to be more events once this craziness is over. Were you shocked at how much Calgary had changed since the last time that you had been here? You know. Uh, I, I, I didn't have a lot to compare it to. Most of my memories of Calgary was the International Hotel. That's where we stayed. And I didn't get to see a lot of the city. So we would shoot out in Cochrane, and, which is how far out of Calgary. Uh, yeah, it's like 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, not that far. But that's where, I, that's where we spent the most of our time there because we were shooting there. So it was nice. At the 25th, we actually got to stay at the International Hotel again, where we stayed during the filming. So I had fond memories of that and uh, got to meet a lot of the locals that were in the film. So that was very sweet. 
when you were told that you were going to film uh, Rad in southern Alberta, were you aware of Cochrane and Calgary? Or were these completely foreign places to you? Yeah, I had not spent maybe just very little time in Canada at that point. So it was it was rather new territory for me. Uh, in the 90s, I ended up in a rock band with Lou Diamond Phillips, and we played 30 different cities in Canada. So I actually got to see a lot of it then. Uh, did you find working with uh, Talia Shire intimidating? as she had just completed roles in both The Godfather and Rocky? That would pretty much intimidate anybody, especially <laughs> a, movie, uh, a movie fan and, and a fan of the Coppola's, you know, her, her brothers, yeah. Francis Ford, of course. And, yeah, uh, she was lovely and is lovely, but who could not be taken aback by, oh, now I'm going to have to stand up and, uh, you know, hold my own. Uh, uh, on par with this woman who's been in three movies that were best picture winners. So, yeah, I, I would say I was intimidated. Do you think that having uh, her in the film, do you think that it impacted level that it, that it got released in the original releases? Uh, I don't think that made a difference. It, it, you know, those things tend to be... Uh, just business decisions that have nothing to do with the, the talent level of the people involved. But I think one of Hal's really smart moves was getting a very strong supporting cast with Talia and Ray Walston and Jack Weston. These are very, very <clears throat> gifted and seasoned performers that they put in there. And so it was, uh, it was a mix of, of the the, the really good actors that they brought in for it and, and the really amazing athletes that, that made the film as, as good as it is. So are you happy that Rad is finally getting a proper 4K Blu-ray release? Oh yeah, it's huge. This is the first time in 34 years that something like this has come along and of course the fans are freaking out about it and I'm right there with them. So I've seen the 4k. It looks glorious. And, uh, a lot of the events that we had planned, of course, will just be rescheduled. Did you have any, um, interaction with vinegar syndrome putting together this release? Were they in like direct contact with you the entire time? Uh, I did, uh, a commentary reel. For the release, I haven't been in contact with them directly. I've been dealing with uh, the Circle Collective, the uh, marketing company. Well, the film was going to play South by Southwest this year in celebration of the 4K restoration. Do you feel like the cancellation of South by Southwest and just everything that happened is kind of another plague on the film, finally getting the proper release it's so long deserved? It, it, it certainly was a blow, but it was... Uh, mitigated by uh, the real suffering <clears throat> that was taking place in the world. So, uh, like I said, the stuff we're talking about, the screenings, uh, these events, those are all going to be rescheduled. So uh, I, I was disappointed, but, but certainly horrified by the actual real-world suffering that people are going through. So uh, I, I, I'm able to sleep fine at night. Well, I want to take you back to when you very first were reading the screenplay. That Jim dance sequence. 
Did you think that that was going to become such an iconic scene in 80s movie history? Yeah, I think something like that's kind of uh, impossible to predict. Uh, the way it was written, you know, it's hard to picture how it would come out. And that sequence is just now uh, uh, so imitated and, uh, you know, replayed a million times. So I'm just uh, blown away that that is the scene that is remembered most probably outside of the uh, beginning and closing credits. What would you, what would you say is your favorite scene in the entire film? What was the most fun shooting? Well, it would have to be uh, the times I got to make out with Lori. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty easy. Uh, You know, there are certain times in show business where you just have to step back and pinch yourself and getting paid to make out with Lori Laughlin was one of those times. It's like, what, what universe is this? So uh, all kidding aside, I, I got to work with tremendous talent who we were talking about earlier, Talia and, and Ray and, and Jack and Alfie and, and, and certainly uh, Jamie and Marta. I, I was surrounded by really great players. So that's what attracted me as an actor is I actually got to, you know, stretch my wings a little bit and and bat the ball around with some really uh, seasoned professionals that I grew up watching and and enjoying their performances. So that was easily the best part for me. Well, leading into the BMXers, especially Eddie Fiola, who your character crew was based on, did you really bond with all those guys, all those riders? Are you still friends with them today? Do you keep in touch? I'm mostly bonded with those guys. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, uh, I continue to see these guys uh, during the non-plague times. We we ride together. They teach me BMX tricks. I'm actually part part of the community. Whereas before, I wasn't really. I was. I showed up as an actor, and I mostly hung out with the actors on the set. Uh, and that was, you know, film sets tend to be a little clickish just because you hang out with the people you know. So it was only after the 25th anniversary where I got to be uh, good friends with a lot of these BMXers, and they remain so today. Well, leading up to the film, how did you immerse yourself into the BMX culture, and how did it feel to be embraced as a godlike figure within the BMX community? Oh, man, that's that's a very kind question. Uh, I really didn't have a lot of time to prepare for that role. In other words, the month after I first got the role, I was in Calgary shooting it. And as you know, these guys spend years and sometimes decades getting to that level. So uh, I didn't I didn't have the time to prepare the way I, I would have liked to. And frankly, <clears throat> they didn't need me to. They had some great stunt riders and they were able to cut around me and shoot around me. And not unlike... Iron Man, as soon as the helmet goes on, I'm nowhere near the set, right? As soon as that hockey helmet goes on, uh, you know, that it's anybody guess as to who's actually under there. But uh, that's the magic of Hollywood. That's the magic of stunt work. I find people tend to be a little more upset about this movie having heavy-duty uh, stunt doubles as opposed to any other movie. 
there, there's not a movie star out there you can name that doesn't have a stunt double if it's a stunt-heavy movie. But for some reason, uh, the illusion worked pretty well that people actually think I did those tricks and rode that well. And as today I can do a couple of the tricks that I performed in the movie, all of it was uh, just Hollywood magic. Well, you've got an entire generation to pick up bikes and worship a character. Have you ever felt like Rad was one of the most important films for showcasing just how magic films can be? Oh, hands down. Yeah, 100%. That's why we're talking about it now. It's got that ability that it just requires viewing again and again for a lot of the super fans. They've seen it, you know, dozens, if not hundreds of times. And so not many films have that kind of staying power and quality that just keeps it coming back. And again and again, you can name 10,000 films that nobody talks about anymore. Nobody sees anymore. There's not festivals dedicated to it. So, so rad, it, it, it holds a pretty special place in cinema history. Strangely. I don't think this gets talked about enough. But the soundtrack to Rad is a little bit undersung in terms of how much impact it had no, not only on BMX, but action sports as a whole. Do you remember this being a conscious decision from Hal at the start of the film? Or was this something that came into play in post-production? I mean, I've only come to find out afterwards <clears throat> that uh, Hal had pretty much zero to do with the music. He, he knew that was not his genre. He was an old country boy listening to country music. So he pretty much let the producers take that end of it. And uh, I think they didn't have the budget for the music that uh, they had hoped for. And so they had to license music that was within their uh, budget. And because of that, they uncovered some of this music that was previously released or not that well known and shine a spotlight on this music that has now become, you know, so emblematic of that era with the synthesizers and the kind of dissonant uh, vocals and all that, all that stuff is just, uh, you, you can't imagine the movie without it. Well, working with the likes of Oliver Stone, Robert Altman, Jim Sheridan, Richard Compton, and Lou Diamond Phillips, who would you say you've learned the most from in your career and whose onset advice has stuck with you the most? Uh, good question. I mean, I've learned from all these guys, uh, certainly <clears throat> as much as uh, watching their films as, as working with them. Uh, Robert Altman was extremely kind to me and, and took a special interest. And um, mostly... My training came through a wonderful character actor named Adam Rourke, who did a lot of biker films in the 60s, look him up, and another character actor named Brian O'Byrne, who I studied with for a long time. And these were all very seasoned actors who uh, ended up coaching in their later years. Alan Garfield, another one who just passed away. And so what I did moving out to Hollywood uh, in the 80s was find the best acting teachers that I could, and in many instances, they were actors themselves, and that's where I learned the most. The the jobs that you get tend to be uh, because you belong there, 
you know what you're doing and you can play your little part. So uh, as far as a learning experience, <clears throat> it's mostly my academic years where, where I learned to be an actor. Was there a particular film growing up that really put the acting bug in you? Uh, one that stands out mostly, I was involved in going to the local art house and seeing a lot of the uh, filmmakers of the 60s and 70s and 50s even. So uh, the Robert Altmans or the Richard Rushes or uh, the Truffauts or Goddards, uh, you know, they're... they're so many that that kind of informed me as a young actor, but the the one that really stuck with me and, and had the largest impact, I think, was the Deer Hunter. I was 17 years old at the time, and it's just such a such a gut punch movie, and so transformative. And, and it's with De Niro and John Savage and and Christopher Walken at the top of their game, and it's such an impactful movie that I I, I feel like walked out of the theater a different person than when I walked in and uh, it was at a time when I didn't know acting was a, a possibility for me but it sure made me realize uh, the power and the impact that cinema could have because it literally changed my life I think it made me see life in a way I had not seen it previously well, have you ever had the urge to step behind the camera and start directing with all of your acting knowledge now? You know, I've done a couple of little short films just for my own giggles. I'm doing some producing now and um, some some more behind-the-scenes stuff. I really don't have any desire to study lighting and, and camera lenses and, and all that kind of thing. I, I feel myself more headed towards uh, producing and writing than, than actually directing. Well, one of your upcoming projects is The Stuntman. Is there any insight you can share on that? The Stuntman? Yeah. I'm not sure what you're referring to. I've got a couple of, I've, I've got a book coming out um, called My Rad Career that's coming out in hardback and um, audiobook in July. And you can go to myradcareer.com to find that, and I can autograph a copy of that. And I've also got a, uh, a documentary uh, about some of my early days in Hollywood. I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. And, um, and I'm doing an interview show from the backseat of my ultralight airplane. So I, I got a few things that are going to cut loose as soon as I can. Well, Tarantino and Brad Pitt have been advocating for the respective stuntman throughout the entire press circuit and award season of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. How do you feel about the Oscars largely stubbing, snubbing stuntmen and women? And do you feel like this is a category that we're going to get in the near future to celebrate this line of work? Oh, I think that's, a, that's an easy, yeah. <clears throat> if these guys are willing to put their lives on the line for a paycheck do what they're required to do uh yeah i think they should be in line for some recognition and of course one of these days they're gonna have to relent and let uh let the stuntman be up for for best stuntman of the year best stunt of the year all, all these things i mean the, the 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 business has changed certainly because of uh because of cgi and, and what what people are able to do 
but I think there's always going to be a place for stuntmen. Have there been any recent films, say within the last five to ten years, that have really blown you away? And is there any current filmmakers you've really seen yourself dying to work with? Uh, well, yeah. Uh, um, Roma from a couple of years ago and, and, and uh, Birdman. Uh, there's, there's films that come along and, and, and more often now than when I was growing up that, that are kind of game changers. And so this is how bad I am. I'm not going to even attempt to uh, try to mangle the pronunciation of some of these filmmakers that I'm talking about. But if, if you didn't see those two films, uh, it, it kind of shows the, the state of where, we're are, where, where we are where as, as filmmakers and, and audiences. I'm a big fan of uh, The Life of Pi. I thought that was a game-changing movie. Uh, so if, if, it's, if it's getting reviewed, if it's getting viewed on a, on a very high level, I, I'm pretty much going to be there front row center. But there's just really too many to, to name at the end of the day. Well, as someone who isn't a stranger to both film and television, how do you feel about referring, are people referring to this era in television history as the golden age of TV? Do you largely agree with that statement? And do you see the shift in talent moving from films towards the TV world? Yeah, I gotta agree with that. There's so much great TV on right now and probably 500 scripted shows. So there's so much going on, and uh, the, the the directors and filmmakers who are not getting their shot in cinemas are getting their shot on TV. So yeah, I uh, I think <clears throat> I think everybody has to agree that it's a, it's a real shame that the end of the world is going down because there's such great entertainment happening right now, and uh, uh, largely <clears throat> you know due to the fact that the Marvel movies have made it cost prohibitive for a lot of these smaller independent films to be made or seen. Television is the, the, the next frontier. Is there any genres that you haven't tackled at this point in your career that you could see yourself falling into? Uh, I've never done uh, professional theater on a very high level. I've done tons of shoebox theater. I did a lot of stage with uh, Brandon Lee and John, John Lee Hancock. Uh, so I've done some pretty serious small theater, but I've, ne I've never done it on a large scale. Well, Bill, I'd like to thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me tonight. I really appreciate you coming on the show. I'm sure you've gathered by now that I'm a huge fan and Rad has had a huge impact on my childhood. So it means a lot to me that you would take the time to uh, come and chat with me tonight. I'd like to thank you again. Nope. Uh, it was a pleasure. I love your questions. You're very uh, uh, respectful and, and well-prepared. So uh, I really appreciate it. I had a great time. Thank you so much for, uh, for doing this. Yeah. Check out the book. You'll like it. I uh, And I hope to see you back in Calgary soon for uh, any rad celebration. We're, we're talking about next spring, a couple of events right now. Awesome. Well, I will be there, and uh, I hope to see you then. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you for listening. Make sure to pick up Bill's book, My Rad Career, 
and the brand new 4K release of Rad from Vinegar Syndrome coming this May. Make sure to keep an eye out for future projects from Bill, and hopefully you will all gather back up in Calgary in 2021 for another Rad reunion. This concludes our broadcast day.